what's happening at Weberized. Morning, everyone. Miranda Zalman here. Just wanted to welcome you to another Social Media Saturdays. This uh, Saturday, we're going to talk about podcasting. And I'm super excited because Margie here is just the utmost expert when it comes to podcasting. And she is going to share all good things about the history of podcasting, why it's important, certainly the increases that we're seeing. And then she's going to give us some tips and tricks in terms of how to podcast on your own, which is also very exciting. Um, Just to give you a little background about myself, if you're new to Social Media Saturdays, I am Assistant Professor of Marketing at Bellevue University, and then I'm also President and CEO of Insurance Marketing Institute. I started Social Media Saturdays several years ago, um, just really in the hopes of connecting with people and sharing social media as a core competency. Over the years, we've grown and we've shared a wide variety of topics outside of social media, and sometimes we just get together for the giggles because we have such a good community of people. I don't want to take up much of your time. I do just want to give you a quick heads up that November and December social media Saturdays have been planned. So November, we are going to talk about the seven digital trends that are going to carry you into and through 2021. So that's going to be very exciting. There are a lot of cool things happening in the world of AI, AR that we're going to discuss as well as some things that you can start planning for now to get going on 2021. Usually in the month of December, we take a break, but because 2020 has been 2020, we are going to have an open session in December. And this open session can be anything with, if you want to talk and connect with other social media marketing professionals, we'll have an opportunity to do that. Or if you have something like a social media plan or a digital marketing plan, that you want to share and get feedback on, that's okay too. Sometimes in our open sessions, we even have people sharing their resumes, their LinkedIn profiles and getting comments on that. So just mark your calendars for um, December. And once this recording is done buffering, I'll of course make sure to send that information out to you so that you have the dates and the links um, to register. So with that, I don't wanna keep you any more from this spectacular presentation. So Margie, you're up. Hi there. My name is Marty Sturgeon, and I am currently in costume as Janet from The Good Place. That's exciting. Thank you very much for joining us for an intro to podcasting overview. And thank you so much to Randa for the awesome introduction and opportunity to share this with you. I'm going to go through the presentation here, and I just want you to to know like it's packed full of resources, and you'll get a copy of it. I've embedded links and websites and things to share with you and enable you to use them. So with that in mind, let's get started. A little bit about me. My name is Marjorie Sturgeon. I'm a former journalist. I've worked here in Omaha. I've worked in small markets in Sioux City and worked in a bigger market in Orlando. I've since transitioned into digital marketing, worked in several areas there. I'm also what you could call an independent filmmaker. I've got a couple projects in the works for um, documentaries. The past two years, I've been my own small business owner. I operate a podcast studio called Weberized with my husband. And um, we have a space where people can record. We offer editing services and pretty much anything you would need to launch a podcast. Also, you'll see I know like they're like not a guru. <laughs> I mean, I love sharing resources and information and that sort of thing, but I don't have any secrets to sell you, so feel confident in that. 
what we're going to do, uh, like Randa said, a brief history of podcasting, a little look into the future, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty details of developing your idea. And then a little bit about recording and editing, and then a breakdown of what hosting and RSS and how they equal a podcast. And then finally, we'll talk measuring your success. And oh, hey, there's a reminder there to share the presentation link. And so I will share that in the chat here in a moment. So the first thing I like to do is ask you or have you kind of reflect on what you're listening to. Hopefully you're listening to a few podcasts that you've subscribed to and hopefully give them a like and a share because they appreciate that. But what I like about this moment where you're thinking about what you're listening to is it really shows you the types of different shows that are out there. Usually when I do this in a classroom setting, people are, I have people shout them out and they range from anything from guest interview type Joe Rogan style to Dungeons and Dragons storytelling style. So it really just proves there's a, such a variety out there that whatever your idea is um, inkling in the back of your mind, you can put that out there too. Okay, so a little bit about the history of podcasting. Um, this is a timeline of milestone moments that I like to point out. It just gives you some context of where things have been. Early 2000s, the iPod is invented, and that is really the technology that enabled you and I to be able to carry around just tons of data in our pockets rather than those giant CD books <laughs> to listen to music. So the iPod is really what made that possible. And But the next step, too, was iTunes and the software, including native support for podcasts. And that's what transitioned internet radio into podcasting. So that's early 2000s. And here we are in 2020, you know, 20 years later. In between, there's a research firm called Edison that's done some surveying of people and just asked the question, have you heard the term podcasting? In 2009, I think it's interesting to note that there were 43% of Americans that answered, yes, I've heard the word podcasting. I may not know what it means or listen to podcasts, but I've heard the word. Then jump to 2018, and that has increased to 64%. So just two years ago, finally, a majority of Americans have heard of the term podcasting. Now, in between there, there's been a few milestone moments uh, in 2013, Apple announced there were 1 billion podcast subscribers. So that is an example of how big the audience has the potential to be. And then in 2014 is where I note the podcast called Serial was released and basically like became such a huge trend that it finally made podcasting part of the mainstream kind of lexicon as far as pop culture is concerned. So that has really influenced future podcast shows. And now if you want a more in-depth look at the timeline, these are all milestones sourced from International Podcast Day, which is a real day. It's September 30th. Put that on your calendar for next year. <laughs> so here's where I kind of want to break down a look into the future or the current industry trends. Um, and I title this podcast with purpose because they're great examples of how you can use podcasting beyond just getting, you know, your friends together to talk about your favorite TV shows, that sort of thing. So number one, I've shared an article here um, from Fortune about how corporate 
entities are using podcasts as internal and external communications. So they're inviting their store managers or their employees to call in and talk about whatever's happening in their store, customer trends or buying trends. But that's also like publicly available. So even like loyal customers can listen in and see what's going on with their favorite brands. So corporate communications. I once heard from a very, very smart person that um, when it comes to corporate communi- internal corporate communications, you should just expect them to also be external. So this is just taking that to the next level if you think about it. Number two, business or personal branding. So the example article I've provided for you is, is about Netflix and how they have a variety of podcasts out there related to their creative entities or their shows. There's a Stranger Things podcast. So it's definitely a way to peel back the curtain for everyone out there and really showcase your creative project or your passion project or whatever campaign that you're working on. So it's a branding tool to, you know, help people become more familiar with what you're doing. And then number three there, what I love about podcasting and what makes me so passionate about it is the barrier to entry is so low. You have a recording device in your pocket. It's your phone. So once you make that sound file, you can give it a place to live on the internet and boom, you have a podcast. So there's resources and programs out there though to support diversity of voices. The example I provided for you is Spotify's SoundUp program, which just concluded this summer, but it was the second year. So I totally expect a third year around May, June, July next year is when it was this year anyway. Something to look for as well on your calendar. And then finally, with a lot of our backgrounds, digital marketing. So I hear often people talk about marketing strategies and calling them integrated strategies. And you have all these channels, your website, Google ads, Facebook pixel, social media, email and influencers. And then the it's endless count of, of what's available, right? But podcasting is another platform to take advantage of. So when you're creating content, content is king. And the second half of that phrase is distribution is queen. So you want your content to be where the people are and you can find an additional audience through podcasting. The second aspect of that is multi-purpose and repurpose. So when you create content, how many different ways can you use it? With a podcast, you can take the sound files and create uh, little teaser videos to use on social media. You can transcribe the podcast show to add as a blog on your website. And so you're, you're utilizing this one piece of creative content to do SEO, to enhance your website, make it more dynamic, to share on social media. So it just all correlates in together. And I was trying to think of a good analogy that maybe isn't as common. So that's why there's a picture of a marching band there. So if you think about it, you know, the tubas are your SEO strategy and social media is the drum line (laughs) and all of it correlates together though to make a band so it it works together and you have a melody. So with the pandemic and everything that's happened since about March, um, there has been some ups and downs in listenership. And so I've linked to a couple of articles there immediately with the lockdowns, there was a huge drop and researchers concluded that it was basically the morning commute 
disappearing that created that. And now I'm seeing industry articles really talk about how it's like basically back to normal as people have figured out how to reincorporate podcast listening into their whatever their current routine is. So people have figured it out and things have returned back to normal. The other thing with COVID was podcasters themselves had to figure out how to create their shows remotely or long distance and interview people. So I've included some articles that talked about that. And some of my favorites, especially with NPR, is NPR has been doing it that way as far as I can remember. I actually took a course through the Knight Foundation a few years ago that some of the teachers were from NPR and they talked about how they they use their own closets to record in. And so they've been doing it for years and years and years and it just came in handy now too. So really good uh, experience input from, from what they've shared, especially to also the setups. And that's what that first article, how to remotely podcast and then that more re- remote recording tips headline there from Transom. Because there's more than one way to record your show. And so you just have to experiment and figure out the one that works best with you with what you have available. Whether that includes microphones or your phone or your your computer and a mixer. There's different ways to do it. And so those are two really good breakdowns. Now, we get into the nitty gritty fun stuff of developing your idea. And basically, it's a series of questions you're going to ask yourself that will help set you up for success. So number one, the very first question, what's the mission of your show? If you've ever worked at a nonprofit or been part of a a organization, corporate or a um, club, you have a mission statement and that's definitely something you should write for your show. It will help keep you guided toward whatever your goals are. And that's the other thing you have to define your goals with what you're doing for your show. As you're thinking about the purpose and mission of your show, you might also ask yourself when a good idea for a podcast is maybe a bad idea for a podcast. And I've built in a link there to a transom.org segment where he interviews a woman who won a podcast pitch contest. To recap, this woman won a pitch contest. Her idea was finding smaller news events on big news days. And her first episode was entirely about 9-11. So the side news that she found was about marine biology. Basically, on the day of 9-11, air traffic stopped, shipping traffic stopped, everything paused. So marine biologists were able to collect more research and more data than they'd ever been able to before because the oceans were so quiet. So she had a really interesting concept of what happens on these big news days and other things that develop. And so that was her first episode. And then episode two was about Columbine, but she literally says it was like looking for a needle in a haystack because of the big news stuff that was going on. So once she got past those initial episodes, she had a real struggle in the follow-up episodes and her series. So she, her advice is, This is her quote. I think that if you're going to give yourself a really narrow focus for your project, that you need to have the whole thing mapped out before you go forward, or at least the first half, because it's Murphy's Law. And no matter how good your idea is, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy to get it to exist in the world. So plan, 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 plan ahead, organize, outline, make yourself ready for for the future. Also, 
as part of that, you might ask yourself, do you have a single episode or do you have a show, an ongoing show, a series that you can continue on? With that, it depends on, too, the type of show you're planning to do. There's kind of four main categories for types of shows. The first one is scripted, and that is what I would describe is a radio drama. So the example I've linked to for you is Homecoming. And that's gone on to become a show on Amazon Prime, just released its second season. So that's really cool. The next category is narrative. So that's kind of a storytelling documentary style where um, you have a narrator and then in between you have sound bites. And the best advice I have there is subjective sound, objective narration. Magazine style, that is kind of the interview style where you have a guest and you talk with them or ask them questions. I've linked to Mark Maron's podcast. He's regularly interviewing celebrities or comedians. And then finally, there's just the very simple Q&A or panel, and that's where you have a panel <laughs> or a Q&A sort of event, and you've recorded it and you release it as a podcast. So the community reunion panel, the community TV show is the example I've provided for you. While we're talking types of shows and genre, I've included a look at last year's third quarter top genres. And it's very interesting to see comedy, news, society, and culture, the top three, followed by sports and true crime. Then it just kind of breaks down even further. One thing I'd like to note that I read about June, July, and August is religion and spirituality saw a bump. So I'd be interested to see how big of a bump, but um, some industry articles were talking about how there has been an increase there. Something to keep in mind when you're thinking about the type of show you're planning more about developing your idea, more questions to ask yourself. Frequency, that's how often are you planning to release episodes, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. The folks that I work with, typically, they want to start out monthly because as they dive into it, they realize just how much prep work they need to get done. So they start out monthly and then work up to weekly or more, um, depending on what their show is. The next question is span. When you're planning your podcast, plan for breaks. So one podcaster very early on I worked with wanted to do weekly and didn't plan for any breaks, holidays, vacations, family emergencies. Um, Luckily we had some pre-recorded that, or we made like little montage episodes for when those things came up. So plan for maybe some months off or weeks off, seasonal, maybe just do like a summer podcast. It's endless what you can do. The third thing, length. So how long is your podcast going to be? 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, more. If you can do more than an hour, good for you. (laughs) But to decide, your answers should be content driven. I know of motivational podcasts that are like 10 minutes long. Some news podcasts range from 10 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour. So just keep in mind to your, your mission statement and your goals And that will help you decide the length you want to do. There's no magic number, but as long as you're creating compelling content. And that's a good transition to some keys to success. A compelling host or guide. Um, This is someone who isn't going to sound like an advertisement in your listener's ear. And someone who is open to being vulnerable and just asking maybe tough questions or answering tough questions 
Because when you have listeners using their headphones, it's a very sort of intimate experience and they're in your head practically. So something to keep in mind is who's the main speaker and are they easy to listen to? A unique format to pull in the listener. You know it when you see it. (laughs) So something to think about when you're creating your show or your format, just get creative with it. Next, get specific. Don't plan to talk pop culture for two hours. Dive into a specialized topic. And my favorite example is there's a podcaster out there that does his show entirely on He-Man. <laughs> so get specific and capture that niche audience. And finally, regularity matters. Just like with social media or blogging, uh, be reliable for your audience. You're developing a relationship and just like any friendship or or marriage, (laughs) being reliable is a key component. Now, here's where I kind of pause and say, oh, there's some things you should worry about or, or just caution about. Copyright and fair use. So using music or segments of shows, that sort of thing. I'm not a lawyer, but there are regulations. And um, my favorite resource is the Broadcast Law Blog, who has written about podcasting and some very helpful articles. And so basically, if you're trying to use a, a piece of copyright material, not your own intellectual property, say a TV segment, uh, and you, you want to claim fair use, my best kind of example is you must be prepared to defend it. So say you do, someone notices and you do get a letter that says, hey, you need to take that down, but you're, you think you're using it under the fair use. Well, then you need a lawyer to take that to court. You need the funds to, to pay those fees. So that's how fair use works. <laughs> Basically, avoid it at all costs is my advice. And then the other most common There's two other most common things. Um, Do you need a guest release form? Yes. Um, Cross your T's, dot your I's. I've linked to a template that's pretty popular for a guest release form. The best example I have for you, I created a show for uh, local public access. It's, you know, volunteer and stuff like that. And so I didn't make anyone sign guest release forms. Well, someone came back and asked me to take down their episode where they did a little comedy spiel. And um, I did. And so now that whole half hour episode is no longer available to the universe because there was one person who wanted it taken down. And you must be prepared for that conversation too with your podcast and be ready for someone who's going to come back and ask for their episode to be taken down. And you need to weigh your personal policies on that versus, you know, the relationship with that person. And so a guest release form is kind of a way of, forcing them to pause too, to think about what they're planning to say (laughs) so they don't ask you to take it down later. And then finally, when it comes to sponsorships, the major thing I like to know is you must be transparent. So you must set off your live read if you're reading a, um, you know, like this show is supported by this person. Set it off with some music, be transparent Same sort of uh, crossover when it comes to like influencers. They have to use the hashtag ad or sponsorship that also still applies with your podcast. So now we look at your podcast crew. The main thing is it looks different for every podcast. And what I like to note here too is you see these different roles and this may be you 
wearing all of these hats. So I, I just like to point that out because if it is just you and maybe a friend, you guys are doing so much and you deserve a round of applause and kudos <laughs> to take this on. So the first role is the producer. And this is an individual who is doing all all the kind of planning. I say editing, I mean like writing and planning uh, the script. Pre-production prep, that's arranging the guests or doing research or fact-checking, that sort of thing. The editor is kind of the boss person. They are keeping that mission statement in mind and guiding the overall focus of the show. The sound designer, this is the individual that works with a DAW, D-A-W, Digital Audio Workspace, and they are editing the sound files and mixing the audio, adding in music, adding in bumps and sound effects. And then finally, there's the host of the show. They are the voice, and you could even call them the talent, (laughs) uh, to steal from a TV term. So that could be you wearing all of these hats, and just know that that's okay. Now, when it comes to recording, there's multiple ways to get this done. Some advice I got early on in my news career was, what's the best equipment to use when you see breaking news out when you're out and about, just on, like on your day off and you see <clears throat> maybe a, a car accident, what's the best equipment to use? You can't run in the newsroom, get your gear, run back out to the scene. You might miss something. It's what you have available to you at the time. Use your phone <laughs> if that's what you have available to you at this moment. There's no reason you can't start using your phone and upgrade later as you become more consistent or find your voice. Also plan to be flexible also doesn't mean you can't add a cheap tool to your phone to enhance the audio it captures. So that's what I have pictured for you is a little microphone you can attach to an iPhone. They're like $50 on Amazon. And so order that, get the prime shipping, and you can start in two days. Um, The next step, and two, keep in mind the the type of show you're planning to do. Because if you're out in the field, this next device, um, the Zoom like a mobile recorder. So I've pictured for you the Zoom H4n and it's a mobile recorder that you can take out in the field and interview people maybe at their establishment or their home. So that's a really handy, very powerful uh, recording device to um, use and be mobile. And then finally, there's two types of microphones. There's a USB microphone or there's the XLR microphone. And you can break down even microphones even further by going cardioid or dynamic and talk about gain and all those different um, functions of a microphone, but it really breaks down to XLR or USB. Um, USB is very popular, also very uh, cheap, so they're a great way to start. The thing to keep in mind about USB, though, is there are some hiccups when using more than one on a computer. The computer has trouble, like, reading both of them at the same time, so keep that in mind. And then when it comes to XLR microphones, they are different in that they have a cable plugged into them that's got three prongs, and then it plugs into a mixer, and then your mixer plugs into your computer. And that's more of a in-home studio or permanent setup that's a little more difficult to take mobile. Now, I say that we have taken our uh, mixer and microphones out to a park <laughs> and done a um, podcast interview show at a music festival. So, you know, you can accomplish whatever you want to. 
But that's kind of a simple, simplified microphone breakdown. And just keep in mind how you're going to be doing your show. Now, when it comes to getting the best sound, number one, wear headphones. Wear headphones, wear headphones. Because like some of those recording devices have displays on them that show what are called levels. And it's the, the audio loudness bouncing up and down as someone speaks. That's great. And But if you're not wearing headphones, you won't know that maybe there's a, a technical glitch and the batteries are low and there's a buzz in your recording device and in your audio file. You won't know that unless you're wearing headphones. So break them out, earbuds, whatever you have. Next, if you're planning to go out in the field, look for location, look for places with curtains and carpet and texture that can help absorb the sound uh, around you and keep it from bouncing. That will help um, enhance the, the, the audio you're getting. Next, microphone placement. So you want your microphone to be about a fist length away. And also do not let your interview subject hold the microphone. And that's just because they will typically be nervous and fidget. And when you fidget, you can rustle cables and make these weird sounds like this that interrupt the listener experience. So don't let them hold it. Monitor those levels. Make sure they don't um, peak. So if someone's yelling, that's probably going to peak and maybe just back away. Now, the interview itself, ask an easy question first. I like to start with, um, and a lot of journalists start with, say and spell your name. And that's just an easy way to, number one, get their name on the record. And make sure that when you go to write your show notes or a blog or make a graphic with their quote, you spell their name right. <laughs> that's very important. Uh, it means a lot to people when their name is spelled right. And then just ask like, hey, how's your day? Like maybe chit chat a little just to set them at ease. Not everyone's comfortable getting behind a microphone and certainly not a camera. So just kind of set the tone for what's going to follow by making it easy. Oh, and speaking of tone, make sure to get room tone. And that's something that's basically where you record a few minutes of, I'm using air quotes, silence. Because wherever you are, it's not perfectly silent. There's maybe the rustle of the air conditioner or there's kids in a nearby room playing and you hear them laughing. Just all sorts of things going on that our mind just automatically tunes out. But when you get room tone, that helps in your editing process from avoiding pure silence. Um, when there's pure silence, your listener, it's a disturbing experience for the listener for pure silence. Maybe they might even think something's wrong and tech, check their phone or wherever they're listening <laughs> to um, fix it. So getting room tone helps avoid that disruption. Now, if you're recording at home and it's just yourself, build yourself a blanket fort or a pillow fort to, again, create those, those opportunities for absorbing sound around you and eliminating like background noise that could ruin the quality of your audio. So pillow fort, highly recommend. Now, when it comes to remote interview options, there's so many different programs out there to help you accomplish this. What I recommend, I've got a list here of ones that I see most often in the podcast groups that I'm participating on, on Facebook and social media. So it just depends on what meets your needs. 
if it's ease of use, Zoom and Skype, and even um, I use a service called BlueJeans. It's another video conferencing software. Their advertising is they have improved audio quality uh, using Dolby. So we subscribe to them. There's a little bit of a cost. And then there's other services that are built for podcasters. Um, Squadcast and Zencaster and Cast are the three that I see most commonly uh, used. And they have paid plans ranging. Zencaster has free ranging to $20 a month. So just depends on what your budget is and user friendliness. And a lot of them have free trials. So try them out and figure out what works best for you and your participants. Tips for your remote interview. This is an exact copy of what I send to people when I arrange remote interviews for my podcast studio. Number one, locate a quiet place, ideally a small bedroom or office in your home where you won't be interrupted and avoid large open rooms. I literally had someone... Even though I send this out, someone did their remote interview from their kitchen and during the podcast, their teenager came in and made a snack. (laughs) So there's only so much you can do, but definitely some advice here. Have them find a quiet room. Next, put a sign on the door letting others know you're recording a podcast and activate the do not disturb on whatever device you're using, whether it's your phone or your computer. If you don't, more times than not, you will get a message and it will ding and it will be in the background of your audio. And there's no like sci-fi way of taking out sounds like that, especially while you're speaking. Maybe if you're taking a breath, it's easy to clip out. But while you're speaking, there's really no way to do it. The next one, use headphones with a microphone. Those headphones are so important. But um, when you're doing a remote recording with a microphone, you'll get so much better audio quality than just doing an open your computer's microphone because it's, it's picking up the echo of your sound too. So that really helps eliminate that. Keep a drink handy, but try to avoid drinking while mid-sentence. Just advice. Um, you, you're going to be talking a lot, so you'll get thirsty and you'll have it there available. You can even pause the interview and just, I need to take a drink. Take a drink and continue on. Don't use a blender mid-podcast, which may have happened while <laughs> helping someone do their podcast. Finally, avoid moving around too much as I swivel in my chair constantly. If you're using your phone, set it on a stack of books or tripod or position it so you don't have to hold it the whole time and make sure you're sitting in a comfortable position because you may be sitting for an hour more or less and you want to be comfortable. And the thing about moving around too much, that's really just advice because if you're on Wi-Fi and maybe you've got the cheap plan, when you move, you're creating video uh, pixels and when you're creating video pixels, you're creating data and when you're creating lots of data, you're taking up bandwidth, then you start to buffer. So something to keep in mind. Next, when it comes to editing, that is really a deep dive into learning how to edit audio. So I highly recommend if you have a library card, accessing the Omaha Public Library website and using your library card to log into lynda.com and utilizing one of their free courses for learning how to edit. Or there's tons of YouTube videos and that sort of thing. But um, editing could be a multi-day course. So I have two tips for advice. Number one, name your sound files. 
So when you go out and record and you bring your memory card and you transfer those files to your computer, name those files with a date, the interviewing name, and a description. And that's so you can find it and keep yourself organized as you're doing your project. And then finally, your MP3 is the sound file type that you're going to use to upload to the internet and create what's called an RSS feed. And we're going to talk more about that. Now, when it comes to editing itself, um, you, you need a, a piece of software. A lot of industry users call them a DAW, Digital Audio Workspace, and there's a variety out there. Uh, and there's some free options. Audacity is a free option. GarageBand is a free option. And then there's some paid tools. Adobe Audition is one that I see most oftenly used. And when I say for pricing that it varies, because it depends on your subscription plan, especially with Adobe, you can do Adobe Creative Suite, and then you get all these other Adobe programs. So that can vary. And then Pro Tools varies. Hindenburg is set at $95. And th- but they've got other versions too that are more expensive. So it just depends on what your needs are. But for just starting out, Go with what's free (laughs) and then upgrade as you continue on. Now, the technical side of things. When you create a podcast, you've created your sound file, you've edited the music, the bumps, the intro, the outro, it's all put together into a show. So now you have your MP3 file and you need to give it somewhere to live. And that's what's called the hosting site. And there are services that provide that little home for your podcast And then those services create what's called an RSS link. And that RSS link is what gets submitted to where people are listening to podcasts. So that's how a podcast is created. You don't have to upload your sound file to Apple or to Spotify. They're actually getting a feed of it through this RSS link and smart speakers and apps and websites. That is kind of the behind the scenes of how the technical side of podcasting works. Now, when I talk about a hosting site, this is one of the biggest decisions you'll have to make, and it really depends on how much storage you need. So if your show is really long, you're going to need a lot of audio storage. And then the cost is really the second most important thing, depending on what your budget is, because there are some free options, and then there's some paid options. And then there's extras, like some services will give you a website, some services will give you some automation tools, and then the analytics, too, are very important. Anchor is free. SoundCloud has a free limit, um, three hours. And then Libsyn, Blueberry, and Podbean are kind of the top three dogs. So I generally point people to SoundCloud because it's so user-friendly. However, I do see tons of people who are getting started and they start with Anchor. And there are some benefits to Anchor. There was some controversy last year, basically, because of of their user terms. They were called out for basically owning the content that's uploaded to their site, but they've since changed that. So I think they're really coming along since that. So where do people get podcasts wherever they're listening? So those are called pod catchers. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google, the list is always growing longer. And some of these new pod catchers just use the directory that Apple has. So once your RSS link is submitted there, you'll find out you're on podcatchers you didn't even know about. <laughs> and um, so that's really convenient. And then some of those hosting services will automate this process. So 
when I, a year ago, year and a half ago, when I launched a podcast with SoundCloud, I got my RSS link and I had to go to Apple and use their submission tool to submit my podcast and wait for approval. And then I had to go to Spotify, do the same thing, but it's really easy. It's like three clicks and they're like, in 24 hours, you'll find out if you're approved and you are. And then Stitcher, same thing, Pandora, same thing, Spotify, same thing. And some of these new services will automate that for you. So that's something to keep in mind too. But what I've embedded here in this presentation is there's a list of the top ones to submit your podcast to just to go through that process if you want to. The thing to keep in mind, plan for at least 72 hours for your podcast to get approved. So if you're planning a launch on November 15th, submit your podcast link at least three days beforehand with maybe just a 30 second trailer. So there's something there so that you know you'll be approved by your launch date. And if there's any issues, you can troubleshoot. I had to troubleshoot with um, Spotify uh, about a year and a half ago and I had to contact their support and they did something manually behind the scenes and it took, and it was over a holiday. So it did take like four or five days but then my podcast was available everywhere else. So we went ahead and promoted on social media, just promoting to the website. So there's workarounds, but just something to keep in mind. Now, measuring your success. Obviously, there's the easy vanity metrics of download numbers. And what I've provided for you off to the side there are links to the Interactive Advertising Bureau, the IAB, their technical guidelines, and then the public radio podcast measurement guidelines. And I want to warn you, they are so full of jargon. (laughs) And it's definitely worth like a brief, you know, overview, but like... There's so much jargon and it's it's really just for like those major sponsors and that sort of thing. So those download numbers are the most common language people know. And then, but two, ask yourself, are you reaching a new audience? And you most certainly are if your digital marketing strategy is social media and Google ads. <laughs> so you're definitely going to be reaching a new audience. And then building brand awareness. Brand awareness, the core of it is like content creation. So you're doing that too, man. You, and you can repurpose it and multi-purpose it in all these different ways. So you're accomplishing that too. And so I would consider that successful. And then finally, like if you're building engagement on your social media platforms, if you're adding content to your website, that's successful and you should feel good about it. But two, if you're doing a podcast just for your personal project or or just you know a hobby, That's keeping you fulfilled in ways that you probably don't even realize. So totally worth it. Just something I like to add. (laughs) Now I've got a few extra slides here. Uh, This one is extra resources. I mentioned mentioned transom.org a couple of times. They have so many awesome resources. They're, I mean, they're radio storytelling, but that applies over to podcasting. And then the NPR Guide for Students has a really great glossary. So I highly recommend just looking over that. And then I've built in a video here about monetizing and the different ways you can do it from live reads to like sponsorship opportunities. And then the Google Podcast Creators Podcasting 101, it's a series of about eight or 10 videos. I think it takes less than an hour to watch them all. And it just kind of reinforces what I went over for you here and then I link to where Omaha Public Library, um, where you can access those lynda.com courses with your library card. 
This slide is one you can just print off. Um, it's a podcast checklist. And so this is everything you're going to need to prepare for your show. It looks like a lot, sounds like a lot. But as you go through it, it just little piece by piece, you'll get it done. So the name for your show, make sure you, you look it up too before you actually get going. Make sure there isn't one already out there. The mission state, statement for your show, don't forget to define your goals. Ask yourself those questions about frequency, span, length, and genre. Define roles and expectations with yourself and you, your crew if you're doing this with a friend or your brother or sister, mom or dad. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard about someone, I started a podcast with my brother and my brother just shows up and doesn't do anything, just answers things. And it's really pulling me down. Well, if you define those roles and expectations before you got started, you'll hopefully avoid some of that. And then if you do get to that point where someone's not pulling their weight, you can say, well, hey, man, when we started, you said you were going to do this. Can you do it? And then it's an easier conversation to have. The launch date. So I kind of mentioned this. You want your launch date and then back date from there. But also you want to look forward to to your release schedule. Are you, what days are you going to release on monthly? Um, maybe there's a special day that correlates with whatever your brand is. And that ties into your recording and post-production schedule. You have to record your show. So work in those, those hours that to your schedule. When you launch, you need artwork for your show and there's certain dimensions it needs to be or else it won't get pulled into those directories and podcatchers. So make sure that's correct. Music, you want to choose some music that is copyright free or that you've paid for, for the intros, outros, bumps and stingers and just transitions, that sort of thing. Each episode, you're going to plan for this. Each episode needs a title a and a description. And then you can even go a step further and include some metadata in your file that is read by those podcatchers. So my husband does a really good job of, of including metadata with the podcast artwork. And it's when I upload to my hosting site, it's already there. I don't have to like do an extra step. It's so nice. Hosting service. So I think I spent, when I started a few years ago now, I think I spent the longest time just researching all the different hosting services and having the toughest time deciding that's going to be a, a kind of a, a big milestone when you when you make that decision. And you can always change too down the road or upgrade. So don't feel like you're stuck somewhere. And then finally, you're, are you going to have a website for your podcast, social media profiles? Make sure you look those up and, and make sure they aren't taken or you have alternatives. So that's your checklist for getting started. And then the podcast groups, these are two of my favorite groups, um, the Just Busters Female Podcast Editors and the Podcast Editors Club. They really help resolve like editing issues. You can just like search the group and find people who have been talking about this. And it's so nice to just be able to collaborate and connect and talk to people who are having the same struggles maybe that you might have. So I recommend looking for those podcast groups that you can join just for that support. <laughs> and then on the left side, I've got some extra tools. Um, SpeakPipe is a really cool service that is kind of like a voicemail system. People can call and leave you voicemails and then you can download those sound files and, and incorporate them into your show. Headliner is the one I use probably the well, second most. Canva is definitely the most. Headliner is a useful tool for creating those video teasers to share on social media and 
transcribing like the sound bite that I'm using and adding a graphic and it looks like a legit like after effects style video that's just super easy to do. Descript is a really great transcription software and they just released uh, an upgrade where you can do video editing too with transcription. So that's very interesting. They do have a little bit of audio editing power too built into their software. So And they have 10 hours free a month, I believe, of transcription. And then otter.ai is a new one I'm exploring for transcription services. I'm I'm just dipping my toe into that one, but I heard it recommended in my podcast groups. So I added that to the list. Then Canva, oh, lovely Canva, is a super useful tool for making like quote graphics so you can repurpose your podcast, even making your podcast artwork. I did request artwork from a local artist and that cost about a little over $200. So there's various ways you can go about getting your podcast artwork. And then finally, I just like to showcase some local podcasts that I know of and I love to add to this list too. Riverside Chats, I think they work with KOS. I think they're out of Exarbid Creative. KOS made in the middle. I haven't really listened to that one. KFAB Grow Omaha. They're obviously radio related. Ask a Scientist is a podcast by someone who took my Do Space workshop about a year ago. So that's really exciting. Keep Kids Alive podcast. That's the Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. Melee podcast there, I think in coordination with the High Omaha Magazine. Hobbyplex show podcast, the Hobbytown Hobbyplex off of Cherry Hills does this podcast about RC car racing and, and the hobby there. Other duties is a, a sign that's by a local principal that someone shared with me in one of my workshops. And then Back Row Center's uh, Film Streams launched their uh, podcast maybe a couple months ago. So we've got some real cool Omaha content going out there. That's the whole thing. Well, I, I just have to thank you again, because you are such a brilliant thought leader in this space. And for you to share not only your expertise and all of these truly amazing resources with us, Margie, that is so incredibly kind of you. So thank you. That's my favorite thing is just helping people find resources and, and figure out what works best for them. Plan, do, check, right? And so try it. If it didn't work, try something else. Well, and it's, is it safe to say too, that, you know, while you have given us the tools and the resources, this is also something that you help other people and other businesses do, correct? Yeah. So a few uh, on these lists, the Keep Kids Alive podcast, we help launch and and we record with them, the Hobbyplex show podcast. And then Ask a Scientist was recording with us, but she moved to Denver. So um, she's doing it all on her own now. Well, I, I think that's something that's so important. Like, for example, I really do have an interest in doing this. I I need to follow your checklist and I need to come up with my mission statement. But I'll be honest with you, I have a real nervousness with the editing part. (laughs) And so, you know, that's something that you can certainly provide to people. So I guess my recommendation to anybody who has an opportunity to watch this is if you don't want to dive in and if you don't want to handle some of the logistics, you know, that's something that you can very easily help with, correct? Yes, we are happy to or answer questions or just be a sounding board, like anything you need. <laughs> so I, I do have a couple of questions and if you're okay with opening it up for questions. Yes, I love questions. So I have always heard that there, the rule of thumb with particularly music and movie sound clips and other sound clips is three seconds huh. that that you can pretty much play anything with three seconds. Is that, is that myth or is that, is that fact? That's technically a myth. 
there's no rule or number that's made up. Like when I first started in news in 2000 something early on, I distinctly remember our audio guys saying, I can play 10 seconds of any song. And that's a completely different situation because, um, you know, media entities pay different fees and that sort of thing, like ASCAP. So that's probably why we were able to get away with playing so many different (laughs) popular songs at the end of our newscast. But now, especially so many years later, it's highly a myth. There's no set of number of seconds um, because you you just need to be prepared to, if you're using a piece of music in context, maybe someone likened a conversation to Flight of the Bumblebee, you know, and you use that few seconds of Flight of the Bumblebee, technically you could claim that's fair use because it's used in the context of someone talking about it. But say you get a cease and desist order to take that down, the only way you can combat that is to hire a lawyer to take it to court and pay the filing fees and all that jazz, you know, all the follow-up. If you want to fight that battle, you must be prepared. The other question I had, um, video podcasting. So this is starting to become more popular as well. What are your thoughts about that? I think we're going to see a whole lot more. You're right on. It's becoming more popular. The biggest telltale for me is when Joe Rogan signed his contract with Spotify. They literally had to develop a whole extra platform to be able to take him on because Spotify is audio. And, and he does this podcast as a video podcast. So they've built a video listening platform just for Joe Rogan. <laughs> so I think to me, the fact that they had to invest that much into that to incorporate video speaks to a lot of where the future is going. And then also, I guess I would, I don't know if this is more of a question or more of a statement. I, I do believe more people are exploring podcasting as an option which personally I love because I think that there's more room for the specificity that podcasting or podcasting can bring to various industries, even highly regulated industries are getting involved. So that that's a cue to me that this is going to become more and more popular, but I also really like the storytelling humanistic side of it. And I, I think that 2000, 2021, we're going to see, um, more of that. So I'm really excited to see where this platform takes us because I, I do feel like it is becoming a little bit more mainstream. And to your earlier point of, you know, it's everybody has a phone. It is completely doable. Absolutely. That's like the, the best part is you have whatever is available to you, a recording device to capture whatever moment you're in and share that with the rest of the world potentially (laughs) so that's what I love about it that's what I loved about news um, and capturing just different people's voices and perspectives and sharing those stories that you might not have heard otherwise well Margie where can people find you like social media website do you want to share that information I do yes as my husband made a sign for me to make sure I remember to say it (laughs) Um, you can find us at webrise.com And all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, people underestimate Pinterest, but I love it. (laughs) And you do get referral traffic with it. Um, So yeah, please check us out. You can shoot me an email, weberized at gmail.com, W-E-B-B-E-R-I-Z-E-D. All right. Thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it.
Thank you so much. You have an idea. You have a story. You have something to say. Whether you want to promote your business, hype a creative idea, or share human interest stories, our mission is to help you make it a podcast you can be proud of. Our goal is to provide a resource to individuals who would like to use podcasting as a platform to share their voice, whether it's a creative passion or important storytelling project. As a minority-owned small business, we want WebRise to further support the mission of passionate people who seek to lift up creators and innovators in the Omaha community. 